Lord, it is our honor to worship you, to call you Messiah. You're our deliverer, Lord. You're the one who rescued us. Even as the song says, we say, blessed redeemer. We were glad to be gathered, even though virtually, Lord, to call you great. I want to say for us at Radius Church, as we agree with the church worldwide, that you are full of glory. Your glory is beyond our comprehension. And we're thankful to be able to sing songs and sit and listen to your word right now and agree of your greatness. Even as we pray, Lord, we celebrate that folks are are worshiping you uh, just at Radius in the parking lot at Lexington and out in the field behind White Knoll. Be with them, Lord. Meet with the folks in Salute out at the park. Meet with the folks in Irmo under the tree. Meet with the folks at Rocky Creek over there in their grassy field in front of the new building, Lord. Meet in with all of those folks and be present, Lord. Your presence is this amazing gift that you trusted us with. And we, we want it today, Lord. We, we pray that for the believers in our state, in our nation, the believers worldwide. That today would be a day where we were overwhelmed with your glory as opposed to all the other noise that's going on in our nation right now. We pray now as we take this psalm that you had David write many years ago, that it would come to life, that it would jump off the page, that you would move on our hearts with it. In Jesus' name, amen. I've been stewing, as many have, on, uh, on what would change the narrative right now as, as, in regards to the coronavirus and uh, the COVID-19 really news dominating thing that we have going on right now. And, and now people are beginning to lose stuff, right? The school system just made some decisions on what they're going to do. And people are grieving some already about what's going to happen in the fall with public schools. Um, we uh, lost restaurants for a little while, but the thing that seems to be making the most noise. And so this is my solution to the problem is college football, right? In South Carolina, you want to talk about glory. You got to talk about college football. So, so my plan is to call Coach Muschamp and, and to call Dabo and let's do a joint press conference. We're going to put them together. We're going to ask all the networks to cover it. We just need to cover our state. And we're going to make a deal that if we can get the spread of the coronavirus to decrease over the course of July and August, then they're going to play two football games this year. They're going to play home and away the first game of the season and the last game of the season. And if we get that thing to go down, they are going to put on a show. And if the two guys stood up and made, I, I got this feeling, whatever the solution is, if everybody's got to wear a mask, all of a sudden, there'll be masks everywhere. There might be orange and garnet, but there'll be masks everywhere. Because in our state, football is full of glory. Now, I'm a Clemson guy, so if you just be, be forgiving of me for explaining how glorious a Saturday at Clemson is, you can in your mind be right over there at Williams Bryce and uh, begin to picture all the beginnings of the game. Because I don't even know all the beginnings of your game. But at my place, when, when you walk, and I always have to walk a long ways because I don't have a parking spot, smelling the smells, right? 
of the parking lot as people are tailgating. You see the little groups of people chattering and there's food and there's smoke and there's all kinds. Of I love it. It just brings back this great memory. And then next thing you know, you're, you're sitting in your seat in the stadium. I always want to pay extra to sit on the lower deck, but not too much extra. We're sitting on the lower deck and, and you begin to see the process of the team on the field exiting the stadium. And when that happens, whoever's in the stadium at that point, which usually most of us are, there begins to be this buzz. You can hear it. It's actually, it's actually audible. And as that buzz begins, you see the players, if you watch for a little while, they walk out the side and they get on these buses. And if you know them, they say young, I guess that's the sponsor of the bus or the, or, or the owner of the bus. And they get on these buses that are orange and, and white and they begin to make this trip around the stadium. And when those buses turn the corner, especially if it's a night game, the buses turn the corner and they're coming up to the top of the hill, the place. I mean, the buzz is beyond buzz. It's start, you can hear the noise. And then the players come into view. They come to the top of the hill. There's a rock up there. We call it Howard's Rock. And guys are slapping the rock. And they're jumping up and down because they're young and they got energy and they're excited. And the whole place is just like yelling to the glory of the orange and white. And then the band fires up. They've been marching and doing all their stuff. And I, I can't remember exactly how the formations go, but they're, they're playing the tiger rag. And eventually, as they kind of wrap up the tiger rag, there's this cannon shot. He's kind of halfway down that hill. And when he shoots the cannon, a bunch of little cheerleaders at the bottom, they're holding this big orange flag. They start sprinting across the field. Right. Some of the cheerleaders, it's like it's like they're flying on the flag. They start sprinting across the field and then the, the cannon guy runs out of the way and the whole Clemson football field team comes flying down that hill. Some of them jumping over this one little. It's, it's awesome. Right. Like it's I'm sorry. Excuse me. It's just it's glorious. You can, I, I, I must confess on on video. There's been a couple games where I've sat in the stands and my hairs on my arms have stood up with goosebumps, with the glory of the orange and white. In my case, most of the times I've been in those stands, the game's like, we don't know if we're going to win or lose. Right? Lately, that's changed a little bit. We're favored by a good bit this comes. It's been a good little season for Clemson, but most of the time we don't know if we're going to win or lose, and there's just this joy and excitement as we glorify the Clemson football team. I can still remember my brother played there. He was a long snapper. And then he uh, covered kicks, and I'll, get it, I'll stay out of the football lingo. But he uh, was amazed, even bothered, I don't even know, disturbed might be the right word. When he got on that bus, he was 19, and he could see guys my age, his dad's age, uh, running and chasing the bus, almost as if they could just, if they could just touch the bus. He's like, this is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. In, in, in just a couple of years, I'm going to be asking that guy for a job. But for whatever reason, while I'm wearing the orange and white, he is ascribing glory to me. He's saying that I'm great. Ascribe just means to attribute, right? It means to uh, honor. It means to uh, recognize somebody for what they can do. And what, what's glory? Glory, uh, according to Tony Evans, glory is the process of manifesting demonstrating one that one's attributes. And so the Clemson crowd is glorifying the orange and white for what they can do. Some of them can run a, 
Oh, the fastest, what, a 4.340? And some of them can bench press 225 like 20 times. It's nuts, right? And some of them can squat 600 pounds. And some of them are really smart. And, and some of the coaches are really good. And we are ascribing, right? We're attributing to them uh, glory. We're honoring them for their attributes and the demonstration of those attributes. And we're hoping that for about 60 minutes, they are going to show every attribute that they have and make us proud. It's awesome. I hope we play football. But when you think about the fact that we are ascribing glory to 19-year-olds, I know my brother now. He's 47, right? So he's, he's still a great guy, but his glory is diminished. It's, uh, he's lost a step or two or four. Uh, he's, he's still pretty athletic, but nothing like he used to be. He, he's lost a good bit of the hair that was on his head back then. He, he's not quite as glorious as he once was, but we're talking about in Psalms when David is writing about his God, he's ascribing glory to a God whose glory never diminishes. As a matter of fact, he's all glorious. We're ascribing, so, so we're actually giving him, we're honoring him, we're, we're, we're causing ourselves to say how great he is. But that doesn't add anything to him. He's glorious with or without our praise. So as David writes, I'll read it to you. ESV says, ascribe to the Lord. Uh, in, in the uh, uh, NLT, it reads like this. Honor the Lord, you heavenly beings. Honor the Lord for his glory and strength. Honor the Lord for the glory of his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Think about those heavenly beings. Honor the Lord, you heavenly beings. I, I love that line just because here's David. Yeah, he's great, right? He's arguably the greatest Israelite to ever walk the earth other than Jesus. He's the king, the great king of the Israelites for a portion of his life. But he's actually looking to the heavenly beings and telling them to worship, honor the Lord. There's two views really on what those heavenly beings are. If you go back to last week, he could be speaking of the gods of other nations. And verse three through nine, you could actually pick up some, if you, if you look at the language and context, he actually seems to be uh, telling the gods of other nations, of the nations around, surrounding Israel, that his God is the great God. The other thought, which is kind of interesting, is that David may be speaking into the heavens to the angels, right? And he's so overwhelmed with the glory of God as he's worshiping here on earth that he's telling the angels, hey, y'all do your job. Sing to the glory of God. I don't know if you remember when we uh, talked through the book of Revelation last year. We just, we only got through five chapters. But in chapter four, we saw a couple scenes where heavenly beings are worshiping Jesus, the lamb. You remember? Capital L, lamb. And in his presence, they uh, are just beyond themselves with worship. Let me read you a couple of verses. Verse 8, chapter 4. Each of these living beings, these living beings are overwhelming, even as you read the description. Each of these living beings had six wings, and their wings were covered all over with eyes. Crazy in and of itself. Inside and out of the wings. Day after day and night after night, they keep on saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The one who always was and who is and who is still to come. I got invited to preach when I was a young guy. I went to a camp and I didn't know all the rules of preaching. 
So uh, one night when all the high school students were in the room, instead of preaching, I stood up on my chair as soon as it was my turn. I turned around and I faced everybody and I started quoting that verse. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, the one who always was and who is and who's still to come. And I said it again and again. I raised my voice and I said it again. And on about the 20th time, I'm screaming it. And people, yeah, as you know, if we did that in, in, in churches today, it would freak them out. It was high school students, so they flexed and they started saying it with me. And we said it over and over until I was completely hoarse. And there was this buzz in the room because it wasn't about us. We were talking about the great God of the Bible. But for many of us in that room and many of us taking this in right now on video, we're talking about the great God who saved us and who's indwelled us. And we're getting our eyes fixed on him and off of everything else. It was a wonderful night. I didn't do any more than just say that line over and over and over and ascribe to him his glory. That chapter goes on. Verse 10 and 11 read like this. The 24 elders fall down and worship the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever. And they lay their crowns down before the throne and say this. You are worthy, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and they exist because you created what you pleased. So you got these kind of interesting group of, uh, we're assuming men, but it may be men and women. We could split it in half, 24. Uh, so 12 men, 12 women, and they are before the Lord and they're worshiping. Almost everybody I read, have read, think that those elders are representatives of the church. So we got the House of Representatives in Washington, D.C. that represent us. But these 24 elders represent the church for all seasons of the world, right? And what I, what I think is particularly cool is, so then in the time where our country is in, in uh, you know, incredible struggle over race, I think about these 24 elders representing the world. I don't know if you know the stats, but 12% of the world is white. So I guess that's what's five, five of the elders going to be white. 17% of the world is black. So maybe six elders are going to be black. 31% uh, of the world is Asian. So you, you're going to have to do the math because I'm losing the math. So, so a certain number of the elders are going to be Asian. There's, uh, I think it was 25% of the world's Indian. So uh, there'd be a certain number of the elders are going to be Indian. And, and, and so they, they represent us before the Lord. And here's what's really cool with all the racial discussion that's going on right now. They come before him and all they can do because of his greatness and his glory is to say, you are worthy, O Lord, our God to receive glory and honor and power. And they say it over and over. And how do they say it? On their face in the midst of his greatness. So when we read Psalm 29, you can just picture David in the best of his understanding on this planet as he leads a nation. He wants us, his people in that time, and us, God's people in this time, to ascribe to God glory. Let me read you a few more verses. Chapter 29 speaks a lot about the voice of God. The voice of the Lord echoes above the sea. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty sea. You've been at the beach when the storm's rolling up. <laughs> Beautiful, powerful. Uh, the voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. 
The voice of the Lord splits the mighty cedars. The Lord shatters the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon's mountains skip like a calf. He makes Mount Hermon leap like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord strikes with bolts of lightning. The voice of the Lord makes the barren wilderness quake. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists the mighty oaks and strips the forest bare. In his temple, everyone shouts. It's this uh, pretty crazy poetic statement uh, from David showing us God's power just in creation. Now, most likely, David is targeting some of these statements toward the nations around him that worship gods, that, that hold up the, the great cedars that, or hold up the great oceans and, and hold them high. And he said, hey, 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 God created all that and God dominates all that. For us, uh, there's this, this one part of creation that we can't get away from in South Carolina in uh, June, July, and August. And so some, some of our campuses, are, all of our campuses are meeting outside right now. And this Sunday morning, it's got to be, what, 93 by lunchtime. So it's, it's warm. You know how far away the sun is from our planet? 93 million miles. 93 million miles. Just one star in one galaxy uh, uh, affecting us incredibly directly. Some Sundays I come in, you see my face, and it is burnt because that sun, 93 million miles away, has burnt me with his heat because I stayed out in it too long, didn't put on enough sunscreen, or didn't put on sunscreen enough. I actually did the math because I'm looking for a Honda Accord, and I always think a Honda Accord is going to go 250,000 miles in, in, in its lifetime. I would have to buy 3,720 Honda Accords to drive to the sun from here, <laughs> right? And you know, the last million miles, there's no chance, Honda Accord or not, we're going to just be obliterated by the heat of the sun. God created that. So even as you walk out your door when this is over and you feel the heat, it speaks to the greatness of God, and we have to say, Glory to the one who could create anything that amazing that actually holds our planet by its pull. Uh, at the end of this passage, as he speaks about creation and he speaks about, you know, in your yard, I got a big crepe myrtle right at the end of my driveway. I was looking at it the other day. It is beautiful. It's, it, I, most days I pay no attention to it, but I just glanced at it because some of the bark's falling off. And it's, it's beautiful, right? In my yard, I have a good number of fire ants. One bit me the other day. My whole hand swole up, and I would never call a fire ant beautiful, but, but it's design. It's shocking. But to look at it all, to look at the stars at night, to look at what God has created, there's no other word to say except at the end of this passage, he says, in his temple, everyone shouts, Glory! I was sitting in the end zone at uh, Clemson, South Carolina game downtown in Columbia. And uh, I was in, I, I, don't, I don't even know how to explain your stadium that well, but my brother was a junior. He's wearing number 52 and he covered kicks and they moved him to all the special teams. And so he's covering a kick and I'm sitting with my future brother-in-law right beside me and, and Matt circles back, my brother's name, Matt. He circles back after the ball's been kicked up us obviously the Gamecocks just scored so that was not a good thing it was kicked to us and uh, whoever's returning I can't remember goes left 
My brother was on the front line of the kickoff return team. And this guy is running left and he's heading to the sideline. And my brother has circled back around to catch a block. Y'all have some defensive tackle chasing uh, our wide receiver. And he has no idea my brother. It's, it's amazing how much stronger you are when you hit somebody and they don't know you're coming. And my brother hit him and depleted him. I mean, he came up off the ground. And we literally, I mean, uh, full disclosure, I stood up in the air, both hands in the air and just shouted. I shouted as loud as I could. I don't know anybody else in the stadium song but me and my future brother-in-law. And we are slapping five in the stadium, celebrating the glory of 21-year-old Matt Reeves. As he takes his 230 pounds and his 4640, and he decleated the guy right in front of us. We yelled, Glory. David saying, Hey, you know the one that made each of those football players on the field unique, that created grass that they're playing on, that gave man who he made in his own image the mind to put together Williams Bryce Stadium? The one who, who made this planet spin at a certain rate, say glory to him. Stand up and shout to him. So, oh, as we roll into uh, this song, I just, I just want you at the house. You can shout if you want. Every once in a while, man, I'll be, I'll be listening to a song in the car that celebrates the Lord. I just, I just got to shout. And, and, and then I'll sometimes go month on top of month sometimes a year or two, and never have that experience. Which probably means I just haven't taken my time and put myself in a position to look at the glory of God. Hey, I really want to challenge you this week. Take one hour. One hour anytime this week. Night, morning, before or after work. Probably not at work. And try to meditate, focus, think on the glory of God. I want to read you a quick little passage. This is from... Uh, our God is Awesome. It's written by Tony Evans. He's a pastor in Dallas. He's one of my favorites. And this is the best book. I think he's written a bunch of books. I think this is the best book. He's one of the most, I cannot read this book without worshiping. Uh, I got it in my 20s. You can order it online, get it at the house. It's a slow read, but a great read. Let, let, me, let me tell you, worship isn't just shouting. It's not just singing loud. It's not just listening to worship music in your car. Here's some ways to worship God. John 15. God is glorified when we bear much fruit. <laughs> so we're supposed to show Christ-like character. Matthew 5, God is glorified when we do good works. 1 Corinthians 6, God is glorified by our sexual purity. Joshua 7, God is glorified when we confess our sins. I love it that he lists those back to back. So, there's, so he's glorified when I discipline myself sexually and I save all sexual relations for my wife or husband of the future, and then I stay in that relationship. But he's also glorified when I confess my sins because of his nature. God is glorified when we live by faith and not by sight. So in the midst of uh, all the political turmoil in our country, God wants to know if we're depending on him if we're depending on the future of our government. God's glorified when we proclaim his word. So even now, in my weaknesses, I read his word. God's glorified. Doesn't have to be on a stage. It could be anywhere. God's glorified when we appeal to his glory in our suffering. 
So on our really hard days, sometimes when something's been put on us, sometimes when we put ourselves in a bad spot, in our suffering, we appeal to him. God's glorified when we do his will. The word there will be obey. When the Bible says we're supposed to do something, we always have some amazing stories at Radius where people do hard things in obedience. All the time when we do premarital counseling, folks in our culture live together all the time before we get married. And oftentimes we'll say to the couple, hey, we really want you to move out in order for us to be able to do the wedding. And uh, it's awesome to see young, young, uh, healthy young people be willing to take that step of obedience and glorify God. God's glorified when we confess his son, when we say that Jesus is God. God's glorified when we reflect on the character of Christ. Literally, according to Romans chapter 15, verse 6, you as a family choosing to take this in right now and reflect on the character of Christ gives God glory. Again, can't add to his glory. We can just describe his glory. We're, we're stating his glory. What an honor for us as mankind to do so. Last two verses of the chapter. The Lord rules over the floodwaters. You can't help but think about Noah and the flood when he says that. The Lord reigns as king forever. The Lord gives his people strength and the Lord blesses them with peace. I thought on a political year, a great line for us to catch out of this psalm is the Lord reigns as king forever. One too long ago, everybody was yelling Obama. Right now, some are yelling Trump and some are cussing Trump, right? But his name is being glorified or torn down one way or another. But they're going to go away. We know they're going to go away. There's been many presidents. The older you get, there's been many presidents. They're going to come and go. Shoot, our nation might come and go. But the Lord reigns as king forever. And so when we can state that we have a relationship with him, because his glory never diminishes, it's this wonderful place of peace, as he says at the end of the chapter, the Lord blesses them with peace. I thought I'd read to you just one passage out of the New Testament that uh, speaks to the glory of God. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's just very direct about that subject, and I'll leave you with that as we uh, go back to worship. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit, capital S, and whenever the Spirit of the Lord, wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. What a great line for me and you today. So if you believed in Jesus, guess what happened? I don't know if you remember this. When Jesus died on the cross, he makes this last statement. There's a veil in the temple. In the temple of Israel, they understood it to be the holy of holies where God dwelled. And this massive veil I don't have time to talk about it, but it's torn from top to bottom. It's just ripped in two. And what, is, what does that show? By the death, the blood spilled, the body broken of Jesus Christ. We are now because of his payment, because our blessed redeemer has redeemed us. We're capable and able to go into the presence of God based on that blood. 
And so the veil is torn and we move into the Holy of Holies and we experience God Almighty. Those of you that believed in Jesus, the Holy Spirit indwells you. And so we actually become his uh, representatives on this planet and we glow glory. Throughout history, the Lord has used a variety of people and things, right? For the people of Israel, he had a tabernacle. And this great season where the people of Israel would follow this cloud and, and then they would celebrate around this tabernacle or tent and, and they'd celebrate the glory of God. They built the temple. It had the holies and holy, holy of holies in it. You had this people of Israel. They really were responsible to carry to the world the glory of God. And then Jesus came. John chapter one actually says that Jesus took all the greatness of God and explained to, it, uh, to us in human form, which is which is terrific for us as we open up the gospels and we, see, we can see how God is and how glorious is as Jesus walked the planet. And then he really just left and passed that baton to you and to me. And he asked us to be ambassadors. And so you and I, we're supposed to glow. We're supposed to glow because we've been with God. So again, I remind you and ask you, take an hour this week and spend it with God. Do your very best to tell him how great he is, to ascribe to him glory. And my expectation is that it'll bless everybody around you because you'll come away from that hour with a glow. Now, maybe you figure this out, that glow kind of diminishes over time as we spend time with the Lord, so it needs to be regular. But just for starters this week, put an hour on the calendar. Be, be a great exercise. Just put that hour on the calendar as a family. What are we going to do? And ascribe glory to the Lord. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we, we call you glorious. We use this word. We barely understand the definition. We certainly, in our weakness and simplicity, can't comprehend uh, your awesome self. Our, our minds, we try to understand, and yet oftentimes you just have to use the word mystery when you explain yourself or explain the way you work because we can't get it. So we worship you as beyond us, and we call you great. Lord, even as in our pretty limited way we try to describe you, we use words that in the best way we can speak to who you are, and, and all of those words are beyond us, Lord, like omniscience and omnipotent and I'm depressed. We have no idea how you're everywhere. It doesn't make sense to us, Lord. And yet we, we ascribe glory to you for your attributes. Lord, the fact that you're love, that you're actually the definition of love, we don't get that, Lord, because we, we have to kind of conjure love up. We ascribe that to you as glorious. Your grace, your goodness, your wrath, your holiness, we glorify you, Lord, this morning. We pray that even as we sing this, this song, that it wouldn't be just singing, that it wouldn't just be humming or reading words on a screen, but that our hearts would worship. Help us, Lord, learn to ascribe glory to you. I love you. Amen.